Radio. The transmission and reception of electromagnetic waves on radio frequency, especially those carrying sound messages, or the activity or industry of broadcasting sound programs to the public. Fanboy. A male fan, especially one who behaves in an obsessive or overexcited way. This is the Radio Fanboy Podcast, and here's your host, Bevo. Today's guest is probably one of the best known voices on Australian radio, Australian television, commercials, everywhere. He's a professional voiceover artist, has clocked up over 20 years as a full-time voiceover. You've probably heard him. Channel 9, Channel 10, the Foxtel Network, um, Optus Television, the Australian Radio Network, Nova Entertainment, Southern Cross Austeria, the list goes on and on. Paul Pitioti joins me. Hello, Paul. How are you, mate? Hey, Lee. I tell you what, I must be annoying you just reading that list has annoyed me. <laughs> I was just going through your bio. Very impressive, young man. Or should I say, um, uh, man. wise man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, it's, it's, it's hard to believe it's 20 years in um, doing this. It's just, it's, it's, such a, um, it's such a transient, crazy industry. Um, and, and when I tell people I've been doing it for that long, they go, oh, are you serious? And I go, mate, I just don't know how. <laughs> I guess at some point somebody will wake up and go, he actually has no idea what he's talking about. And I go, mate, I've just hidden it for 20 years. It's pretty, no one knows. It's pretty incredible, like all these um, uh, places that you've done voices for, but not only that, you're a character voiceover artist as well, so you must have a few in your repertoire. Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's kind of bizarre. Um, Lee, I was talking to – actually, we've just been having renos done on our house, and, 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 and it's, it's really interesting – explaining what I do to people so far removed from the industry who just don't get it. And um, and one of these guys said, um, so what's – he said, how do you survive? And I went, well, well there's a hell of a lot of uh, an element of luck in there, um, of course, with, with, with absolutely everything. But you need – I reckon it's, it's – you've just got to have diversity nowadays. I think – I think, Lee, if you go back, if we go back into the voicing world of the maybe the 60s, you know, everyone's talk like that. And then the 70s where everyone started to, you know, come back down and everyone had a really big, deep voice across all the networks of radio and TV. And then and then in the I guess in the in the 90s and probably late late 90s when I started, um, I think Channel 10 were probably the first network, Lee, to go against the mould um, and, and and actually look at taking on board a VO for their network that just didn't sound like he, you know, he was smoking six packets of camel a day. <laughs> um, and that was a godsend for me because I, I didn't have, I didn't have a deep voice. And, and, and quite frankly, I was, I was kind of just starting, but um, <clears throat> what happened? Um, I'd been at Channel 10 for probably about, probably about 10 years. I started the end of 1999 there, Lee, and um, our, um, basically what a lot of networks do is you've got two voices. You've got Dr. Death and you've got Mr. Light Entertainment. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was Mr. Light Entertainment. And I was happy with that role. I loved it because we were doing Neighbours and Futurama and all these really cool shows that, 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 that I loved. And, uh, and our other guy, Phil, who, who, who was doing all the Big Brother stuff and had an absolutely amazing voice, was poached. Um, by by Channel Nine, funnily enough, so he um, he jumped ship, and it was it was at that point where I thought, oh, you know what, um, they're getting me to do little bits of drama to sort of cover until they can find another uh, a deeper voice. And what kind of happened, Lee? Was they kind of went, well, you actually don't sound as deep or as dark as Phil, but I reckon I reckon it'll work. And 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 
The crazy thing is, I, I actually had to have my um my tonsils removed um about oh probably 10, 15 years ago. And um after that, it actually made my voice drop. Is that it right? Actually, yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. Once it all healed, it allowed me to to to, to really you know get right down into into the depths that I never ever could before. So it was actually a bit of a blessing in disguise, Lee. And in a really long winded roundabout kind of way, the point I was actually trying to get was having that diversity, uh, being able to do the low dramatic drama stuff and the really high upbeat has allowed me to, 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 I reckon, probably remain a little bit longer in the industry than, than, than maybe most because I could be used as maybe one or two or three voices when I was hired by a network. So I need you to do upbeat, I need you to do middle of the road, and I need you to get really, really low and deep. Um, plus I need a sports read. Or I need, and I was able to, to cover it. And, and, and I think that that diversity really has saved me, Lee, in, in the grand scheme of things and allowed me to, to have such a, a magnificent career with some fantastic clients. So, Yeah, well, it's it's one of the most recognised voices in Australia, so congratulations. Let's oh, go back you. Let's go back to the very beginning. Apparently, um, yep. 1988 was the year that you graduated from Aftus as a yeah. sound engineer. So, Yeah, and that drove them insanely. Um, um, I, I, I'll never forget um, the lecturers there were, um, they basically had me pigeonholed as a, as, a, as a music jock and they said, look, you know, you'll be a perfect music jock. And Lee, I actually, this is the craziest thing you're ever going to hear. I actually hated being on air. <laughs> there, there was, there, there, seriously, there was nothing about it that I really liked. And, and it was a real disappointment because all through my schooling, I, I mean, I always wanted to be a radio announcer. And um, when I did it, I don't know. I, I just it just wasn't what I thought it would be like, and and being at afters and having some amazing lecturers. One day I was actually talking, and I'll never forget he's an amazing guy called Arch McCurdy, lovely, lovely man, and a legend of radio. And we were having a chat, and he just said, um, he said, so so you know, wh- where would you like to go? Where would you like to be in the next couple of years? And I said, I just don't know whether I really want to be on air. Um, and he said, you're kidding. He said, you know, you are at the radio school. <laughs> and I said, yeah, look, I know. But I said, I've actually been dabbling a bit in production, um, which was kind of like, you know, it was one of the courses that we were, a course with intercourse. Course, I guess you, you you do need to know the basics of uh, production to to be on air, especially back in those days, Lee. When you're talking about um, uh, having to edit on the run and having to mix and do those sorts of things, so an announcer wasn't just an announcer. They 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 were doing a number of other things, and pretty much being a bit of an engineer was part of it as well back then. So I fell in love with the idea of of a. I was in a band at the time and working with sound. I thought this is just this is a whole new world. I love this. And, and you get paid to do it. Um, and, and it was really an amazing time at, at afters. And, and, and they were, they were great. They sort of said, you know, if that's where your passion is, go for it. And we did a, um, a tour of a radio station in Sydney called 2UW, and I'll never forget this. It was sort of near the end of, of, of 1988, and we'd only probably have we only probably had sorry, Lee, uh, maybe about a month to go before we we graduated. And most guys had already sort of been placed. They'd they'd had job offers to go to a lot of regional stations, including myself. I was I was offered um, um, a, a couple of gigs, and and I went, oh man, my heart just just wasn't in it. So we did this tour of 2UW and they were showing us around the station and, and I walked into the audio area and 
just got on with this, this the, 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 the production manager there, a guy by the name of Bill Dowling, and we just hit it off. And, and Bill is still going. Bill, Bill has um, Bill's worked for Top Spots. He now has a place called Sound Kitchen. He's been going forever. Amazing guy and an amazing engineer. And as we got chatting, he said, it's, he said you know, what do you want to do? And I said, well, actually, you know, I'd, I'd love to get started in, in audio. And he said, well, funny you say that. He said, because we're looking for a production assistant. And I went, oh, you're kidding me. I said, look, I have no experience. All I've done is, you know, one or two quick edits here or there. And our major uh, work at, uh, at Afters was to piece together a, a five-minute radio documentary. And I said, really, apart from that and, and, and mucking around a bit at Afters, I, I don't really have any experience. He said, doesn't matter. Mate, we got on that well. I, I sent him a demo of some of my stuff. And Lee, seriously, just, and again, luck playing such a major part in this, um, I got the role and, and I was able to, to literally leave afters and, and really with only probably a couple of weeks stepping stone into, into doing audio, which I did for 10 years. And I was so lucky to do that in Sydney, went from Sydney um, up to the Central Coast for a while, worked in London for three years doing audio and then came back to do audio again. And then from there tripped and went to the dark side and went over the other side of the glass to do what I do now. Wow, that's a pretty incredible story. So you never actually pulled an on-air shift ever? I did. I did. Look, I I must admit, I did a few. I did um, some in Mackay. Um, We we were sent on like work attachments with afters. Um, So I did some on-air stints at Mackay. Um, I did a little bit over at 96FM. They put me on a bit of a mid-dawn over there in Perth, uh, way back. Um, Oh, and somewhere else as well that just slips my mind. But look, I, I, I did a few and... I didn't hate them, but I just, I don't know. I, I think like, especially like you, Lee, like I've known you for many years and you have a passion for being on air. And I, and unless I think you've got that passion and that drive, you, you can hear it. And you can take that anywhere you go from reading a script for, you know, a car yard to, to whatever. If you don't have that passion in there, and especially with, with an announcer, you know, listeners can hear and they can tell when someone, you know, isn't, doesn't really want to be there. And I just couldn't help it. I would always just sound bored after a while going, yep, there's Kenny Rogers coming up. (laughs) Here's another Kenny Rogers. Here we go. Yeah, it just never really clicked with me, Lisa. But audio, every day in audio, I would just get out of bed and and run into work. I just loved it. And, uh, And it was great. And I still enjoyed dabbling in it, but I don't, I don't get into it any anywhere near as much as um, as I used to. What's it like being a voiceover artist in in the real world? Do people say, "Oh, go and do the voice, go and do the"? Yeah, if if people don't get what I do, I don't like. It's funny if you say, "Oh, look, I I, I I'm one of the promo voices at nine. They go, "Well, what show do you do?" And you go, "Well, I don't actually, I don't actually voice in the show. I voice commercials for the show." And they go, "Oh, right. So which one are you?" And it's funny because once once you pick it out. Um, it's it's like looking at those 3D dinosaur pictures. Do you know what I mean? If you stare long enough, you'll eventually get it and you'll always get it. And yep. and, and the funny thing is um, one of the dads up the road here um, was saying to me, mate, you know, you, you say you're a voiceover. Well, who, who do you voice for? And I was telling him. And he said, I just can't pick it. And I said, well, you know, if you listen to Foxtel, you'll hear this and that and that. And we were at soccer with our kids, and, I, and I'll never forget, Bennett, my son, Ben, was only very small, so he was only under eights or something. And... Um, and he came up to me at halftime and he went, oh, my God. He said, I've, I've heard you. And he goes, I can't 
stop hearing you. And he goes, now I've, now I've picked it. He goes, I've got to put up with you at soccer. I've got to put up with you in the car. I've got to put up with you on TV. He goes, mate, you're driving me insane. And I'll tell you the funniest thing, you know, you're talking about people putting on, do, do people ask you to do voices? My daughter just had her 18th. And as a dad, you're always trying to get some cred with your kids, always, you know? And and I had to laugh because um, my daughter came up to me and said, hey, one of my friends would love to hear you. You you do one, one of the one of the voices. She she knows you're a voiceover. And I said, oh, I said sure. I said, what one would you like? She said, could you just do one of the Foxtel warnings? <laughs> and I went, Lee, you know you've you've made it, mate. Yeah, I said, yeah. The following program, yeah, that's you, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. I'm known for a Foxtel warning. I went, yeah, that'll do. I'll take it. It's so recognisable it. and so memorable, that <laughs> short little message before the actual- It's bizarre, isn't it? And it's still going. Like, I recorded those 10 years ago. Wow. Like, and they're still doing the rounds. And it's so funny listening to myself before I watch a movie going, I know. I know what it's rated. I know, I know, I know. Stop telling me. Leave me alone. Oh, the wonderful world of voiceovers. Um What's, what, is there a typical day for you, Paul? I mean, is it is it what people expect? You know, you're you're at home. You're you've got this this um, soundproof wardrobe, and you go in there and you record stuff. And you, you, you know, it's so funny. You say, yes, I, I don't have a soundproof wardrobe. I actually a couple of years ago we did we did a little extension onto our, our tiny little house, and we made it into pretty much my my studio. Um, <clears throat> just a tiny little room which I've soundproofed up enough for me to sort of get in there and actually have my bikes in there. So it's a little gym as well. Um, and and that's where I live uh, most of the day. And and it's funny because a lot of people go, gee, it must be fantastic. And, and yes, it is. And yes, it isn't. Because with technology now, you're kind of locked into work all the time. Whereas back in the day, you were hired and you drove into a studio and you left your house. And a lot of your work was done outside of your house. Um, what, what, even before COVID, I was doing probably 90% of my work, Lee, from, from home. Um, and that was recording for, you know, stations in Dubai, uh, for Perth, you know, that obviously are lagging behind us a little bit in time, New Zealand, doing stuff for the States. And you, you're working on different time zones, but you are always on call. You're always available. You can't say, well, I'm sorry, I can't drive to the studio till tomorrow. So can you hang on? So quite often, Lee, I will check my emails before I go to bed. That could be nine, could be 10, could be 11, and I'll have something that I'll have to do. Uh, and yes, I can leave it for the morning, but I'll go, you know what? I'd rather do this now at 11 at night, get it to them, especially in Perth. So they either can work on it tonight or, you know what, when the guys get in first thing in the morning, it's kind of ready for them. But, you know, someone once said to me, you know, and it was really funny. I was doing, I'll never forget, I was doing a session for, um, for, for this guy in the States and he said, you have the best sounding room, best sounding studio. He said, I've heard. He said, can you tell me what, what, what gear you've got? <clears throat> so I sort of ran through all the, the geeky stuff that I was using. And he said, but he said, it's just so beautifully soundproofed. He said, how, how did you do it? And Lee, I swear to you, this is true. I've got obviously some soundproofing tiles, but I had a, a lounge behind me oh. that, had four, that had four days worth of washing on it. <laughs> and seriously, Edmund Hillary would have fallen off and killed himself on it. It was just huge. Like it was just every conceivable bit of clothing, but it was so great because it sucked up so much sound. The guy's going, mate, I've never heard such a great soundproof room. I went, well, you can probably thank my uh, football jumper for that. It's right behind me. 
So, yeah, it's it's smoke and mirrors a lot of the time, mate. Smoke and mirrors. Yeah, I heard that Billy Birmingham recorded his whole 12th Man album um, under a blanket using a microphone. Yeah. I remember, I actually heard that story too, and it wouldn't surprise me. And you know what? I know at least, at least a dozen people who don't have home studios. They have home wardrobes. Oh, yeah. And, and they've, they've just decked them out with a good light, a good stand, um, like a few little uh, foam sound, soundproofing tiles. And, mate, it's fantastic. And that's the thing. Techno- the way technology is, everything is just so portable now. You don't need massive big amplifiers, and you don't need this, and you don't need that, and multi-track desks. I mean, look at us now. You know, think about this 10 years ago you'd be going no never going to happen yeah everything will be done on a phone it's like well it's not things like source connect now lee which yep. which you know i can record in any studio in the world with exactly the same quality as if i was in the studio there in front of them and yep. it's and you know if you hook in zoom you can you know be there in person as well it's it's just incredible technology is amazing and i love it let's talk these, more about that um technology what yeah. you actually what what is your setup because sure. A lot of people going, I want to be a home voiceover artist. What do I need yep. at home? Yep. And do you know what? You don't need to go out and spend thousands. All I would suggest that the most expensive thing that I would be buying is your microphone. People buy cheap microphones. You can have the best amplifiers. You can have the best USB interface units. If you've got the wrong mic, it just doesn't work. So I went through qu- quite a few, actually. Uh, I ended up going with a Rode. But back in the day, I use a, a Sennheiser 416 now, yep. um, which which I love. I think they're magnificent microphones. Um, before that, I had a Rode NC1000 that I used for years, years and years and years. And before I bought the 416, I actually went and bought a Neumann. Like, I spent a fortune on this thing, Lee, and yep. I set it up. And you know what? It just did not work oh, in my no. room. Isn't that bizarre? Like you think this, this fan, like different mics work for different setups in different rooms. Yep. And I thought that, you know, one mic would just be perfect for everything, but it wasn't. It was too roomy. It just didn't work for me. And and it was funny returning it. You know, I actually bought it from the shop up the road. And I went, what are you doing? And I went, yeah. it does, mate. It just doesn't work for me. In, in other studios with the right environment, the right soundproofing, it works. In my room, it doesn't. And, um, and then I sort of went through one or two others until I got on the 416 and went, you know what? It's the same mic that Channel 10 are using. So when I have to do pickups from home, it's easier for the audio guys because it's, it's all pretty much the same sort of sound. Yep. They get it, EQ it, whack it straight in something that I had recorded there in the morning and no, no one's the wiser. And it's the same at nine. Nine use 416s. So it's trying to just keep it easy for, for, for sort of pickup sessions when things need to be done from home. You can record it. Same microphone, same sort of sound. And it's easy for the audio guys to, to piece it all together. I follow a lot of your um, bike rides um, on the, the fitness yep. app. Um, yeah. How many Ks would you do a day? It sounds like you're, you're quite the fitness well, freak. Uh, look, 10 years ago, Lee, I hit 100 kilos and um, <clears throat> it was that real wake-up moment when you get on the scales and you're not actually proud of hitting it. You're kind of more in shock. And um, I played cricket for many, many years and my knees aren't great. So running was was really out for me. Um, and a mate of mine um, up the road here, the guy who's, who I was annoying with my voice, is a cyclist. And he said, look, you know, try cycling. It's low impact. And I did. And I, and I literally, again, a very long story I'll keep very short, uh, fell in love with it. And um, it, 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 um, it allowed me to drop countless kilos so obviously you don't start doing you know 50 60k rides i just started doing you know five 10 and um and then you know that was more on my mountain bike and then i got up to 15 20 on my mountain bike they bought a road bike 
uh, <clears throat> and started riding that around. And, you know, mate, you pull in 100K rides, 80K rides, 70K rides. But back in my heyday before uh, my accident, which <clears throat> I'll, I'll you know, fill you in on as well, which wasn't great, um, I was doing 250 to 300Ks a week. Um, and that's a lot of that I would try and involve just riding into work, riding into 10 and riding home. That was, you know, a 50K return. So I was lucky that I could incorporate the ride into my workday. And then on the weekend, I'd, you know, I'd ride from Taramara to Brooklyn or, you know, do 70, 80Kers. They were not my, my normal sort of distance. Then occasionally, you know, do the Forest Gumps, do 110, 120 and pop on back. And it was just amazing. I was so used to it. You know, when you talk to people and they go, what, you idiot, you know, I don't drive that far. (laughs) Seriously, what are you you doing? You become obsessed. And I did. I actually became obsessed with it. And um, so you follow, oh, you know, what what was my average speed? What's my cadence? What's my heart rate? You know, and and it was really bizarre. A year ago, uh, Lee, I was riding home from Channel Channel 9 and, uh, mate, my world just literally took a massive tumble. I was riding down the M2 and, uh, and and a piece of wood a bit of debris uh, in the bike lane clipped into my front wheel and flipped me headfirst onto the road at about 40 k's an hour. And I ended up, mate, I don't remember it. I just remember riding home. I remember calling my wife saying, I'll see you soon. And then waking up with her beside me in hospital. I lost, I lost uh, 10 hours of memory. I, I fractured my C3. I um, fractured eight vertebrae in my back, two compression uh, fractures in my lower back, busted my top rib. Um, Mate, it was a nightmare. And um, uh, the, the funny thing is, and, and, and I was just talking about this the other day, about how voicing is one of those jobs that you can do at any time, at any age. It's, 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 it's one of those um, industries and jobs that has no, no real boundaries. You can, if you, even if you've got a speech impediment, you know what I mean? Nothing can stop you from being a VO. If there's somebody that wants a particular sound, you've got a job, you know? And, and I'll never forget, Lee, I was admitted into hospital on the Friday and I walked out on Monday, literally with those injuries, walked out, got home. I had to hire a hospital bed because I wasn't allowed to sleep on my side for just over a month. So <clears throat> what we did is because I still needed to work, I set it up in my studio right beside my desk. Wow. So I got in on Monday and I'll never forget this, mate. And I swear, Lee, this is true. My wife drove me in. I arrived home at 1230 I was restriping 96 FM at 1.30 in the afternoon because, <laughs> because I had promised them that I would do it. Um, I, I had auditioned and got the job and I didn't want to let these guys down. And, mate, I've got photos. It's the weirdest thing. Em just took a photo of me. There's me with a neck brace on, on endone painkillers, reading seven or eight pages of iDance for 96 FM. Oh, wow. Um it was um, it was bizarre, isn't it? But you but you can do it. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can do it because you're not running, you're not moving. But what this did in in, in a crazy kind of way, Lee, it actually woke me up a little bit to to my cycling and my exercise, and I just didn't become as obsessed after it. I I, I realised that you know what, it's actually fun. Get out and enjoy it, and don't worry about how fast you went. Don't worry about how many k's you did. You know what I mean? Don't yeah. worry about this. Don't worry. Just get out and have fun. So I'm back into it now, and I, I you know, maybe one one fifty a week I'll do. But you know, as I get older, man, I just get more and more injuries. <laughs> you know, so it's just like every time I move, everything comes with a sound effect. Now, mate, you wake up, oh, yeah, oh, you, you sit down. Oh, oh. That's what my wife said. She said you're a walking sound effects machine. Everywhere oh. you go, like oh, oh, gee, that hurts. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, you certainly know you're getting old when you get out of the chair and you make those uh, groans. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And everything clicks and pops. It's like, gee, I don't remember that happening when I was 25. No. What's the deal? So what does the future hold for Paul Pitioni, the voiceover? I don't know. Um, it's It's... Hopefully just to keep going, Lee. I love what I do. I love it. And and I'm still not <clears throat> at that point where I think I've learned everything I can. Um, I'm doing a, a, a chat on Wednesday, actually, for Promax uh, with another girl, Tiffany, uh, and a guy from uh, the States called Brent um, Hagel. And we're doing a, a talk about, um, from, from a voiceover's perspective, to producers about um, – how basically how to run a session and and what you should be doing to make it easier for us. And it was funny, you know, like even just talking today, just doing a bit of a warm up thing, you, you learn something every day. I went, oh man, you know, I never thought about that. You know, I thought I, I thought I knew it all, but just then I've just learned one more thing. So <clears throat> I guess I'm still learning, mate. And, and as long as that's the case, and as long as I'm still enjoying myself, and more importantly, I haven't burnt myself out and people still like the sound of my voice. I'll, yeah. I'll keep going because, you know, you can't, you know, and I'll never forget John Downs, <coughs> excuse me, Lee, John Downs from RMK gave me some great advice many, many moons ago. He said, as sure as death and taxes, you'll be replaced. He said, voiceovers get tired, they get burnt. Um, and and you're, you're only the flavour of the month for a little while. Hence, diversity. And that's what I think has probably saved me a little bit. Um it won't go on forever, but you know what? Rather than procrastinate about what if, I just mate take it day by day and yep. uh, and just you know at the end of the day go what a hoot that yeah, was fun absolutely. that was fun love it. One last question: Where'd you get the name sure. Pizza? Yeah, right. Well, this goes right back to my very first job at TUW. Um, the copywriter um, was just enjoying saying my last name, Pitioni, Pitioni, Pitioni. She said, no, Pitioni, Pitioni, Pepperoni, Pepperoni, Pepperoni Pizza. <laughs> I swear. And, and you know what? This is the funniest thing. That has stuck with me my whole career of 30 years in media. Wow. To the point, Lee, to the point when I was over in London, <clears throat> it was a hoot because no one knew. Not that it, you know what I mean. Some people don't know me as Paul, so yeah. I'm so used to pizza. But over there, no one knew me as pizza. <clears throat> and I was in Trafalgar Square, Lee. I'll never forget walking out of the Virgin Mega Store in Trafalgar Square in 1995-96. The place is packed, and I hear pizza, <laughs> and I went, "You have." Got to be joking. Oh, no. Wow. And I kept walking, there's pizza. And I turned around, it was a guy, it was a guy from, from the radio station. I said, oh, dude, can you do me a favour? I said, no one knows me here as pizza. He said, oh, really? I said, no, no. So, you know what he did? He called the station I was at the next day yeah. and re- the receptionist on the intercom said, pizza, there's a phone call for you. <laughs> and then that was it for the next two years. Pizza, pizza. I went, oh, man, oh. when I get back, I'm going to get you back. The legendary Paul Pizza Pepperoni, or should I say Pitioni. (laughs) Thanks for joining us on the Radio Fanboy podcast. Absolute pleasure, Lee. Thanks for having me, mate. The Radio Fanboy podcast, hosted by Bevo and produced by Matt Fulton Productions. Dan Hill speaking.